Hello, everyone, and welcome to this free episode of Trash Future. It is myself, Riley. I'm joined in studio by Milo. I also have... It's the free one. Damn you. <laughs> you you left him like hanging, you know, left him waiting mm. for it. You lulled him into a full sense of security. And that's what I'm doing. I I'm thought, playing a dangerous game. I here. thought I was going to get it. Uh, but I cannot believe that you have embarrassed me in front of the Bloomberg Odd Lots podcast <laughs> host and returning <laughs> guest, Joe Eisenthal. Joe, how's it going? It's good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, I'm psyched to be back. I was thrilled by the invite to talk about one of my favorite topics. Oh, we are f- literally thrumming with excitement about the coin. Mm. One, one, one of my favorite topics, the second after Riley explained it to me. <laughs> I, um, I've been thinking about the coin, we've been talking about the coin, speculating about what could go on the coin. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I took a road trip with a friend of mine in uh, 2021 when there was like a dead ceiling impact then. And uh, I think he almost like kicked me out of the car because I was talking about the coins so much on that trip. And that, you know, that whole dead ceiling fight wasn't nearly as contentious or even interesting as that one. But I was like so enthralled by the. I've been like obsessed with the coin for 12 years now. So every time it comes up, like it's like the return of the cicadas or something. You don't know exactly when it's going to come. But every time it comes up, I get so excited. Yeah, for years we've been hearing about Dogecoin, this coin, and that coin, Bitcoin. Well, now it's time for coin, coin, <laughs> coin, <Okay>. the coin, <laughs> the singular. Feel, coin. Feels like coin season you gets earlier every year. You can't year. do cool like coin spinning tricks with with a Dogecoin, but I imagine you can with a trillion dollar coin, and I imagine that's why that's my support of it. I Just feel don't like lose it. yeah, that's you right. should. You do a cool spinning trick in Times Square. That's Joe why Biden, that's, that's why like, he... getting one ear pierced and, like, sitting at a poker table doing, like, tricks with the trillion dollar coin like a poker chip. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. That's why I said So, I also want to issue an apology to all of the mm. partners of everyone who listens to this show who will be hearing a lot about the coin for the next few days from your partner who listens to this show. So, yeah, they're sorry. business partners. We'll be hearing a lot about it in investment terms. Um, before, although before we get into coin talk, which believe me is going to take up ninety five percent of this episode, uh, I do want We're the coin brothers. I do just want to have one little piece of news. Yes, everyone sent me that Philip Hammond is getting a job at a crypto exchange, and as soon as he got the job, said the UK needs to be a better market for crypto. And yes, huh. I've seen the. I've seen the armored truck for suburban true crime moms to eviscerate their own children if they play near it. The only piece of news we're getting into before we talk about the coin is that apparently Tesla has released a brand of tequila that explodes if you leave it in the sun. Is there what? any product that associated with Elon Musk that has not inexplicably fallen apart? You're going to find out, like, this is how we get the fucking Last of Us fungus virus, is whatever grows on Teslas just grows on the inside of your stomach if you drink this tequila. Luckily, no one will ever drink it. It just exists to be a sort of office ornament. He's very good at creating incendiary products, isn't he? Yeah, he missed mm. his true calling as the heir to Nobel. Yeah, he's sort of, he is kind of like the Abu Hamza of the tech world. <laughs> Look, we don't have a lot of time for news, so we got to go right onto the coin. You just want extra time to talk about the coin. Don't you? Yes. Uh, Yeah, thank you. So, first, look, we've danced around this a little bit, but before we talk about Republicans and Democrats and the debt ceiling and the legality of it, I want everyone to go around the room and tell me, 
what do you think of the physicality of the coin? When you picture the coin, what do you picture, starting with Joe? Uh, well, so the only thing that it needs to be legally is any sort of platinum disc that says the word one trillion on it. It doesn't need to have the zeros. And we can get into how I know that and all that. Um, I love the idea of having it be very small, like maybe the size of a U.S. dime, <laughs> like because everyone imagines something really grandiose, you know, and it's like, and, you know, big face on it. So, like, you know, the whole thing is the beauty. Now, we'll get into it. And the beauty of the coin is, like, how sound it is and how ridiculous it seems. But just to add that little bit of extra ridiculousness, I love the idea of, like, the coin being extremely tiny rather than anything <laughs> grand. Like, to me, that would be the best part. You just, like, lose, you just lose the trillion-dollar coin yeah. uh, just in your pockets, oh, in yeah. your chains. Well, that could be fun because then in, like, you know, a thousand years, there could be, like, an Indiana Jones-type movie where someone has to pick out the real trillion-dollar <laughs> coin. And they're all picking out these, like, giant publishers clearinghouse, like, novelty coins, and the real one is just, like, a dime that's on the floor. <laughs> uh, this is the trillion-dollar coin of a Brandon. I, I would go sort of the opposite direction. I would make it not not just large, not just sort of like guys have to move it around on a trolley kind of large. I would make it so that the trailing dollar coin has to be sort of constructed almost entirely in space and sort of a Dyson coin and <laughs> it like reflects an appreciable amount of the sun's energy and that's how we're going to solve climate change. Ah, Two birds with yeah, one stone. Yeah, as as to what's on it, I think there's there's two options that I have in mind. It has to commemorate something. It has to be commemorative, right? I would say we either we'll do... We'll get into why that is. We'll either do... It commemorates the moment of the coin itself being made in a kind of fractal way, where we have, like, the coin being cast and, like, Zelensky is there giving a thumbs up, Xi Jinping and Putin are crying on the other side of it, uh, George Washington is, like, looking down through a cloud. That's one option. My other option is, it's got to be made of... um. Platinum or palladium, I understand it. No, just platinum. Oh, just platinum. Fuck, well, that ruins my idea. My plan was, you have a bimetallic coin. One side's platinum, one side's palladium. And you have uh, Joe Biden on one side, Trump on the other. Moment of national healing. You know, America's (laughs) back. Uh, Hussein, your vision of the coin, when you think coin, you think what? Mm, Good question. Uh, Three things. More of a vision board than anything else. Number one, uh, the two the coin that Two Face uses to uh, make his decisions. Uh, number two, a giant coin that you do spinning tricks with in Times Square, um, just like doing the sort of spinny thing. Uh, and then the third one, I think, is actually very similar to the Trump thing, which is on one side, you know, you know, um, you know that period of time when everyone was sort of like trying to own Trump by like showing pictures of him kissing like other guys. Um, I think that yeah. should be on one side of the coin. Wait, fuck! You, you, you've just you've set something off of me when you said spinning tricks, right? Well, it doesn't have to be a disc. It doesn't have to be a circle. Yeah. It can be any sort of I like was, any shape. I was, yeah, I was toying. What if it's the arrow, like the you know the arrow to a pizza place that someone is like hired to spin? What if we just get one of those, but it's made of? Platinum? I guess my thing was, I feel like the coin should make as many people as mad as possible, and one of the important things then is to make sure it doesn't actually look like a coin, and that's why I was sort of thinking, like, could it be like a rhombus shape? Uh, should it look like a star mm. cube? Um, a cube in the shape of the yeah, smoking twin towers. Yeah, remember the cube. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe it should be a cube. That's that's how I'm going to end it. It should be a cube. Dave, Milo, your vision for the coin. We have a lot to get through, yeah, so make it a quick vision. I think vision. you know, like we can we can stick circular. We can we can stick classic. I think it should be. 
I think it should be large, but not crazy. I think it should be like large enough that it could like be mounted behind the reception desk in the Federal Reserve, like where they would normally have like a seal or something. Nice and stealable, huh? Yeah, just have a big <laughs> coin. I mean, like bolted down. I don't know, like behind a sort perspex. of like dinner plate size. Yeah, yeah, like like you know, like the Mona Lisa, like on display, but not yeah. very stealable. Um, and then I it think it was stolen. The Mona Lisa was stolen. Look, shut up. To, to commemorate <laughs> something, what it should obviously commemorate is uh, Trump hearing about Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death. So it should have... Oh, fuck, where he's got, like, finger behind his ear. Yeah, yes. it should have him, like, eyes closed, doing that pose with the two hands up, thinking. And then on the other side in Latin, it should say... I didn't know that. I'm just hearing about that now for the first time. <laughs> they just minted it. You're t- whatever you think about the coin, it was an amazing coin. You have to admit, whatever your opinion, it was an amazing coin. And it was worth an amazing amount of money. I, Would you I, agree or not? I can. That's the thing. For whatever reason, and this is going to become clear throughout the episode, the coin just makes me think of Donald Trump. Mm. Uh, it's just I can't stop thinking about yes, it in his yeah. voice. Because it, the thing is, if you if you Google Donald Trump mm. coin and look at the image results, you will get some some fantastic results, and you you see that Donald Trump is the most a human being has ever been in profile. And if you put the profile of Donald Trump on a coin, it's just it's perfect. You can't tell where the neck starts, so you don't really know where to end it. He's got this kind of weird pursed-lipped expression that he does all the time. It's beautiful, and that has yeah. to be on the coin. Which, it in has fact, to be. is my vision for the coin, but my vision for the coin is the unveiling of the coin. And this is something I worked out with friend okay. of the show, Matty Lipchansky, which is, alright, n- number one, right, the coin is going to be the thing that heals America if, o- if and only if Donald Trump yep. gets to deploy the coin. Right? Because Republicans can heal their sort of Trump anti-Trump division. It's going to work up his base again. They're going to get to fix the problem without caving to Democrats. And then Donald Trump, he comes down a big gold escalator and he's got the coin and he's mugging to the journalists. He's hugging and kissing the coin. He's waving it around. Uh, He's talking. He said, look, it's me in profile. They say the coin adds 10 years, but I think I look good. And then he comes down. There's a gigantic soda machine and and everyone just is cheering and whooping. As he's like, you know, he's like, am I going to spend it? Am I going to put it in? Am I going to put it in? And that's how he deposits it into the Federal Reserve. And mm-hmm. it's the best day of his fucking life. <laughs> he just puts it into like a giant, a giant vending machine. And like six guys have to like haul out like a gigantic can of fresco. Okay, Lincoln, right. what is he on? The $10, the $20? I'm on a trillion dollars. That makes me what? A million times better? <laughs> yes, sir, Mr. President. Uh, but that's enough about the physicality. Of, not enough about the physicality of the coin. We are coming back to this subject. But uh, let's talk about the actual coin. And I wanted yeah, to wh- add, what is this fucking coin? What is this thing? So I wanted to add before we jump off uh, that uh, the episode of Odd Lots on coin, uh, which is uh, has much less speculation about the physicality of the coin up front, uh, with Rohan Gray, who's an academic on the subject, whose work I recommend, um, was really really informative. Uh, as well as, I also say, you should look at the work of Nathan Tankus, whose work on the subject I, I recommend. So it, all of it was very helpful getting my head around the subject. So, Joe, if you don't mind explaining, why are we in the situation where we're debating how big the trillion dollar coin should be? Yeah, it's actually pretty simple. Um, we have this sort of very bizarre law in the United States where uh, the the uh, Congress, you know, they set appropriations, how much they're going to spend on military, all that stuff every year or every few months or whatever. But then separately, they have a separate vote from time to time about whether the government is legally allowed to take out the required financing in order to pay for the spending that they themselves have 
legally authorized. And this every couple of years, uh, so uh, the government runs into the situation in which it is re- uh, hitting the maximum legally allowed amount of debt that it is allowed to take out. And because politicians don't really like cutting spending, but because they like having the reputation of being sort of hard-nosed and tough and sort of like realistic and hawkish, they usually make a stand here, make a bunch of speeches. But the risk is, of course, that if they don't raise the so-called debt ceiling, then uh, you could have a situation which the government defaults on its debt. And that by most people would agree that that is highly, um, uh, would be highly disastrous. So in 2011, which was the sort of the modern debt ceiling era, because that was the Tea Party era, it really started to look like the debt ceiling might not get raised in 2011. And a pseudonymous lawyer on the internet named uh, Carlos Mucha, I don't know if that's his real name, uh, like discovered in coinage law that the treasury has the discretion to create a coin specifically of platinum of any denomination uh, that's allowed. And so the coinage law in the U.S. is very specific. There's no limits on how many coins can be created, but it's very prescribed. The penny is you know, this, the nickel is this, the dime is this, the quarter is this. And then there's this one exception, and it was added in the 90s, and we'll talk about its history because that's really important. It says, oh, and uh, you can make a platinum coin out of any of, of any arbitrarily large denomination. W- without going through Congress, right? Like, this is the thing. It's like a purely executive power. That's right. That's right. It's specifically a power allocated to the Treasury Secretary. And so, uh, uh, that, and that addendum to the law was added in the 90s. But prior to that law, there's a law that says the government can raise money via two ways, basically selling bonds and minting coins. And so if you want to have the spending authority, the legal authority to fulfill the spending that you're required, pretty simple solution, mint a trillion dollar coin, the, the treasury can deposit the coin at the New York Fed, where it has something called the treasury general account. And from this account, checks go out to contractors and numerous other people who are the recipients of government money, deposit the coin. Suddenly there's a trillion dollars in there. And uh, then the government spends as if there were no issues. And what's interesting is like, of course, it sounds absurd. The idea is like, oh, we're going to solve a problem by putting a trillion dollars on a coin. But I think as people like look into it more and more, it's very economically sound, it's legally sound, and it's even constitutionally sound. And so the arguments, it's, it's this sort of beautiful story in which on its face, it's quite absurd. And yet the arguments against it are almost completely non-existent other than people think it would be weird, which I get that it is weird. But if the if the choice is between weird and catastrophic default, I have a very hard time wrapping my head around the idea that catastrophic default is the better. The weird choice. thing is that the the treasury secretary has to wear cat ears while he does it, which is also that's also putting <laughs> people off. But I also love that this is basically the meme of like someone going, "Where did you get that money from?" And then the other guy is like vaporizing him with an energy beam, saying, "I made it up." <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, if, you, if you, the thing is. Hmm. If you show Joe Biden enough memes of him with laser eyes doing something, he will do it. It's just a question of getting him in front of the right memes. <laughs> That's true. So um, so basically what we have here is, is it's not just catastrophic as well for the U.S. to default in its debt. It's also illegal. Uh, it's, it's unconstitutional. This is really important. This is really important. point. So uh, in the 14th Amendment, subsection or section A, it's, uh, it's established that the Constitution, the debt shall not be questioned. You... The government is compelled to pay its debt. So I think there is a very situation which, you know, you could say the debt ceiling um, 
uh, and says one thing, you can't take out any more debt. The uh, budget says, no, but you have to make this payment, et cetera. So, you know, as, as many people have noted, the Treasury has been sent two contradictory laws, which is problematic. And so one possible solution that people say is, well, the, the, gov- the uh, government could invoke the 14th Amendment, say, you know what? Um, we're not going to abide by the debt ceiling because the Constitution supersedes that. And that might work. That might be plausible. But then there would be numerous, be all kinds of like court battles and stuff like that. And so what the coiners say is, well, yes, there are contradictory laws and it is contradict and it is a problem to violate the Constitution by not paying the debt. But the good news is we have a law that allows us, that allows the government to maintain its constitutional obligation to pay its debt and avoid the contradiction of two laws. So why not operate within the law rather than going into uncharted territory of like invoking an amendment and hoping that that Well, additionally as well, right? If you do that, then, okay, well, convince Amy Coney Barrett. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At some point, you will have to do that. And and look, like, you you know, this is a point that comes up. uh, You know, critics will say, oh, well, the Supreme Court might knock it down and say the coin is illegal. And I suppose that's possible. But, you know, then the issue is like, well, if they're going, you know, if the Supreme Court, and this is my real view on this, if the Supreme Court is going to like the the, mean, the the text that allows for the coin, it's not ambiguous. Philip Deal, who we'll probably talk about, who is the secretary of the Mint in the mid, or the head of the Mint in the mid-90s, has said, yeah, of course this law, he wrote the law. He says, of course this law allows for the coin. Now, ultimately, if the Supreme Court, you know, could say whatever they want, that could create a crisis. But the point is, the plain text reading of the coin statute is pretty unambiguous. You heard of this guy? He's called Deal. You've got to do it, folks. It's a great <laughs> so, deal. So the, the thing is, right, this is what's happening, I think, as well, is that the, the sort of patchwork, semi-improvised nature of a lot of American institutions, such as the Supreme Court, which just kind of happened one day, right? This, All these things are running up against one another. And they're running up against one another because ultimately, like, you know, there is, um, let's say, in in a time where... There's a, a little bit less surplus to divide up, uh, and in a time where things are a little bit difficult, um, there is. Uh, the, let's say the the bolts are straining on the system. One group, one American group of American sort of one block of American po- uh, political players have realized that they are basically able to just hold this thing hostage uh, at every yeah. turn from these extreme minoritarian positions. Yeah, well, that that's how I feel about it. It's like legalities aside, and you know, letter of the law and spirit of the law being separate things. This is about as legal as you're going to get, as we've as we've been into. Like, this is the key thing, which is that right. Like, the 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 impulse for the coin comes from an impulse of let's keep the laws in harmony because it's absolutely true. There are all kinds of different moving parts, and it feels sort of like bolted together, and it creates all kinds of problems. And we have like deep problems in this country, like many you know, countries seem to have these days. But it doesn't mean we should just sort of like give up. And so, if there is a legal path out, why not use it? And and like just in realistic terms, if the Republicans have been able to sort of use the debt ceiling since the '90s as a sort of cynical piece of political leverage, doing a sort of cynical political end run around it, I mean, turnabout's fair play. You can complain about it as much as you like, and I'm I'm sure they would, but. Just the, the sort of the moral valence of it, 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 it doesn't it doesn't match up at all. Well, and you know, people will say, and people have said, that it's like, yeah, well, yes, of course, that's that statute in the law that creates the coin exists, but that's clearly not what it was intended for. Everyone knows that it was really about creating Draft platinum. the laws better. Skill issue, you know? 
Well, that's true too. But the other th- the other problem with that l- logic is the debt ceiling wasn't designed in its current form. And this is something that I learned from uh, Rohan's paper uh, that you mentioned, which is that the debt ceiling was actually designed to uh, enable the issuance of more debt because prior to the law, every spending bill that was passed or every every appropriation had to have its own distinct financing. And so like, if like, okay, we're going to go make a railroad or a canal. We have to like float a bond to do this. That's not, they, that's not very workable. God, it's imagine if Congress still had to do that, if they still had to pass the like build this bridge bill. So the, yeah, so the coin was not to constrain debt. It was to say, you know what, this is sort of a, a silly way of, of legalizing debt. Let's just put it in one big bundle. And so if you want to go back to like, oh, we must adhere to like some very like pure motivation of the law, then the exact same argument could be used against the debt ceiling that people use against the court. So as I think that's it's it's worth emphasizing how much the as you say the debt ceiling use this way is a procedural trick. Much again, much just like um like like sort of um the Republican approach to court appointments is a procedural trick. It's just in this case, it's a procedural trick that is um a tungsten rod aimed directly at the dividing lines of Washington-based institutions and global institutions of global financial governance, the fault lines of which extend everywhere, including my house, in a different country, which means I'm very, very concerned about it. I shouldn't have bought a house on that fault line. <laughs> debt defaults are bad. I mean, the Russian debt default of 1998 was a big deal for global markets and created this huge bear market. And that was, you know, this tiny fraction of U.S. debt. Obviously, more recently, we go back to the Lehman disaster in 2008, but defaults are bad. And I think there's good reason to think that a default on U.S. treasuries would be extremely bad. We tried to make very large coin, but due to Soviet manufacturing targets, actually, it was done by weight. So we made very small coin, but very dense. <laughs> the osmium <laughs> coin. I, I, I mean, the thing is, I think the sort of the death of American empires is, is like much heralded, and I think often falsely. But a U.S. debt default would be one of the things you would look to for like it. it it's over, you know. Like at at that point, that's a serious sort of like compromise on uh like the U.S. Treasury, the U.S. dollar, and uh, you know maybe instead of that, you know. You just you make the coin, and I you you sell it by going yeah. Xi Jinping hate it if you make the coin. Vladimir Putin would hate to see you make the coin. Yeah, and you know the other thing too is like coins are really normal. Like that's the thing that I like want to emphasize. Like, <laughs> not, not this one. They, you know, like if they're like, oh, what if the Supreme Court strikes on the coin? And it's like li- governments have been issuing coins since like 600 BC. Like there is net coinage as a form of money has never been controversial until suddenly now when we like need, you know, and it could be used to avert. It's very strange. It's like, what a coin? What? It's like mint coins happen all the time. It's one of the oldest. It's probably the number one think of that people besides dollar bills, maybe of like what money looks like. It goes back to a thing we've said on the show a lot, which is that basically the Democrats are the Washington generals to the Republicans, Harlem Globetrotters, where like the Republicans constantly use all kinds of procedural tricks against the Democrats. And then whenever the Democrats are gifted a procedural trick to use, they're like, well, that would be unfair. That wouldn't really be in the spirit of the game. Yeah, well, and it's worth saying as well, right, that um, that this is the absurdity of American political theater, you know, that, that the state at the center of the global imperial hegemony is potentially shutting down like not potential i think it defaults unrealistic and unconstitutional all this stuff but is t- toying with the idea of winding itself up at largely as a going concern 
because like Greg Stubbe and his friends and people like him have a knife at the throat of their institutions through procedural tricks like this. It is genuinely a farce. I, I think about this in terms of the Supreme Court, right? And the the idea that you could not get the the trillion dollar coin through the Supreme Court, not because it would be uh, like illegal or unconstitutional, but because on a sort of a partisan basis they wouldn't let you. I I think well, if you can't get this past them, you can't get anything past them, and that's sort of like they have effectively sort of removed your ability to govern, and you have to do something sort of and overturn Marbury Madison at that point, like. Yeah, the way I see it is like if we have a Supreme Court that prefers default to coinage, what exactly are we preserving here? Like, you know, it's like, like well, it's like, oh, we got it. We can't, we can't violate these norms, and if we do, then the Supreme Court might overturn it. And it's like, okay, if we have these institutions from within that would like, kind of like, they're more comfortable with the default than the existence of a coin. That's like pretty deep. That's a, that's not great. Well, I think it comes back to this idea of uh, a really. Um a really core sense of uh, normalcy and seriousness that could, in fact, be the death of American empire sort of by accident. Because if you remember, I'm sure you remember this show, but um, people new to um, coinism might not know that in 2011, America's debt was downgraded. It shouldn't be possible to downgrade America's debt based on the role of the dollar in the global financial system. Yeah, I mean, look, the, in the end, like, the I don't think the U.S. credit rating, like, matters, but, like, it was entirely this weird, like, self-inflicted wound to the extent that it did. But, like, this sort of, like, norms adherence. And, like, look, I'm, like, a norms guy. I'm, like, norm, you know, whatever. I think it's good. What are the most normal men in podcasting, some say? I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm, a, I'm not a radical. I co-host a podcast at Bloomberg about financial markets. We talk about the Fed and economics and monetary policy and all that stuff. But like the sort of like norms people in DC, it's like, look what they like, what have they got us? Because all we've, you know, they're they've been like, they're like, oh, that would violate the norms. And so and thanks to them, we've now had 12 years of these recurring crises where we occasionally threaten to like shoot ourselves in the foot or whatever it is. It's like maybe we should try a different way. Maybe this sort of like adherence to like norms of like what is the maximum denomination that we put on coins? Strange norm to get worked out worked up over. Maybe like there are some costs to having avoided uh, talking about this. Well, this is exactly why anytime I I think about a lot of, let's say, North Atlantic or whatever, like court politics. This is basically court politics. I always think of like the late Byzantine Empire of sort of scheming eunuchs, performing rituals and like largely working in a self-referential set of schemes against and for one another. Well, the world that these rituals and schemes, this power they're supposed to take, that they're supposed to try to govern, just basically ticks over more or less without them, but mostly just uh, has crises inflicted by them. And it's that this worship of stuff like norms, to me, does feel like Byzantine courtier shit, where you are not, you, what, you are not thinking about your, the impact of what you're doing. You're thinking about adhering to the proper formal traditions. The Janissaries, they don't want to make the coin. They tell me I can't be on the coin, but we did it, folks. We're going to do it. That's 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 <laughs> later than Byzantine. Sorry, please go on. No, I mean, it's, it's truly right. And look, like I said, like, I don't even like I don't even have a problem with like the premise of like sometimes even you have to pay attention to rituals and norms and ways about doing things that aren't perfectly rational, because like that's kind of what modern society is. And it's like if everyone tries to like do everything and like some sort of like perfectly rational way, I think all kinds of like things would like break down. So I don't even have like a problem with it. But what, what like sort of like what blows my mind 
is to hear Democrats say like, oh, the Republicans, they're like use language like hostage takers or something. Like, oh, the Republicans are like taking the economy hostage with these threats and stuff like that. Pretty extreme rhetoric, pretty, you know. And yet it's like, okay, then what? Oh, we're, but also we're going to completely unilaterally uh, not do anything to protect the economy in light of this threat, which they've characterized as hostage taking. I find it very difficult to understand how to hold both both things in the head. Here's an existential disaster. It would be worse than Lehman. Be a good, you know, some complete like catastrophe, like a nuclear bomb going off. But also, we can't do anything slight deviation to protect against it. it it's like they always say, you know, Americans always negotiate with terrorists. And when when <laughs> you're in like uh, a sort of a hostage taking situation, the first step of what you do is you give them everything they want, and you just keep doing that forever. <laughs> it's it's to me, it's like um. I think about this, you know, the scene in, in Die Hard where John McClane is like, now I have a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. It's like, sure, he, found, he found the machine gun and it was like, here, I found your machine gun for you. Would you like it back? <laughs> Can I please give you this gun? I don't want it. Uh, it would be unfair of me to use one, even though you all have them. <laughs> if he uses the machine gun, he becomes Hans Gruber. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about, about whether or not the coin is likely to be minted. Uh, Yellen has said... That she doesn't. The, the Treasury Secretary. Je, yes. Janet Yellen has said she doesn't necessarily want to, and she said that it's a gimmick. But when, ta- when asked about it in the past, she said, "Never say never." And given that, I, I think if you if you do brinksmanship, which is which is what we're, we've been seeing each time, in order for brinksmanship to work, you generally have to get closer to the brink each time you do it, which I think creates the possibilities of this of the bad outcome, say, happening by mistake. Um, yeah. Or no one wants to do it, but everyone forgets to stop squabbling before they hit the brink and they go over. Um, yeah, I think it's a pretty legit concern. And I do think that there's like, ah, they always say it and then they always get it done at the end. And look, if I were like betting, I would say probably they will just hike it eventually at the last second because that is what happens. Like that's probably still like the, the modal outcome here. But, you know, it really is interesting Yellen, because she is not a fan of the coin, it's clear. Like, I remember in 2021, she was asked about it on TV, like, very dismissive. And she's not like us, coin, she's not a coin head, no. but I think she's not a coin, but head. it's interesting. She's, ne- I've ne- she's never, and she's lately she's been asked about it. She was asked about it by the Wall Street Journal recently, and she talked about how the Fed might not accept a coin, which I don't know. But it's interesting, she never said it's illegal, which she could say, right? Because if she said, if someone asked Yellen about the coin and she said, What are you talking about? Of course, we can't just stamp a trillion dollars on a coin and have that be money. Like, I think most people would say, like, thank you, Janet. Thank you for bringing some sanity to this conversation. Of course, that's not allowed. She's never said that. She's never said that it's illegal. So I think, like, you know, I don't want to read too much into it. And I'm not a lawyer. But I think if she thought it was illegal, she would say that. And so it seems, I, you know, most likely we're not going to get a trillion dollar coin. But it seems to me that, like, there must be people who think, like, look, in a real pinch, we're about to go over the line. There's no prospect of this like getting past the debt ceiling hike. We need to do something. They probably, maybe the Treasury does not want to be on record as having said it's illegal. So uh, what I was thinking then is that the, the Treasury needs to have some platinum to hand mm. because you, you don't want, the, you don't want yeah. it to get to like 10 minutes left to raise the debt ceiling and you don't have any platinum. So this gets to like, uh, what's, it's uh, really fun, you know, like I've also interviewed um, the aforementioned uh, Philip Deal, who is the 35th uh, secretary of the U.S. Mint, who wrote this. And what's fun talking about to him, there are many great aspects of Philip Deal. I mean, he's like this sort of like, you know, like big talking Texan. He was a Democrat 
Um, but there's sort of like a certain sort of a certain style of like Texas Democrat that doesn't exist anymore. His boss when he was at the Mint, I think, was uh, Lloyd Benson, who is also a uh, Texas Democrat. And, you know, like he's like a you 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 talk to this guy. He's not like some like, you know, radical or anything like that. Uh, but he thinks, A, the trillion dollar coin is clearly legal. But also, like, he really knows a lot about mint operations. So, like, all these questions, he's like, why, like, do you need, can you put the word one trillion or uh, um, do you have to have the zeros? He's like, nope, you're allowed to have one trillion. Like, he knows that because he ran them in. There's also, it has to be a proof, uh, uh, a proof platinum coin. So that means it has a certain sheen to the coin, like a certain silveriness that comes from like extra polishing. So that is an element. In fact, we should have mentioned that when we were talking about design. That is the one design requirement is that um, it would have to be a very like sparkly, high quality platinum coin. This is perfect. Um, it has to this. be shiny. But like, but, but the, you know, like the plat, the mint almost certainly has, I forget the word for like essentially the, the platinum discs that exist Blanks? before they're like a, a, a die, I want to say. Yeah, maybe it's just the die. Then I think he used that word. So the, the the treasury has platinum die lying around them, certainly. So the only thing that you would need to make sure is that some design exists so that they can like stamp it at the last second. So you'd want to have that so that you're not at the last second like scrambling. But other than that, I think it could be done very so They need to get the perfect profile shot of Trump or like the picture of Joe Biden eating the ice cream. Or I'm something. really excited for the inevitable Supreme Court argument about whether the coin is shiny enough to be admissible. <laughs> this is not a proof coin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Yellen seems to be like um, she doesn't want to because she is repeating the usual Democrat line of this is a gimmick and therefore unserious. Um, but it's not a gimmick if it solves your debt crisis. I mean, it's just like, Look, would you rather would you rather have the it's entire all just writing numbers on paper at the end of the day? Well, Why not write them on a disc? Because specifically, right, this is also about solving solving the debt crisis in basically kind of an accounting way. Well, this is really important, which is that, like, I mean, you nailed it by saying an accounting. It's really not a debt problem. The U.S. like, you know, the U.S. has never had a debt problem. We never have problems selling debt. It's an accounting issue and it's an accounting rules specific issue. So that's like the thing, you know, you know, one of the issues, obviously, that comes up is, well, wouldn't a trillion dollar coin create inflation? Which is an understandable intuition to have. You see big money, you think Zimbabwe, et cetera. But it's really not because it's not about injecting one trillion dollars worth of new spending power into the economy. The spending power is already authorized. This is like normal budget stuff. So it really is. And it really is about there's a, you know, there is like there is arguably, I guess, maybe you could say a flaw in the accounting rules that exist that govern our debt. And this is a solution to debt-related accounting rules. But it really is, as you say, it's more about accounting specifically than it is about like, oh, paying off the debt. Because you hear people say like, oh, well, what about like minting $32 trillion coins and paying off the debt? And it's like, yeah, but that's not the issue. The problem is not the size of the debt. The problem is like we have no problem funding the debt or operating or recycling the debt. The problem is simply this accounting rule that exists as the sort of like tripwire within U.S. law. And we need some other accounting rule to get around. Because it's this is this comes back to, I think, the central point of talking about the coin. Right. And why anyone who says, oh, the coin is a gimmick. That's what you have to say. Yes, it is. So is everything fucking else about this problem. Yeah, if you, if you don't want to see clowns, why have you brought me to this circus? You know, like this. This is 
someone was like, someone, uh, I got into a fight on Twitter the other day. I shouldn't have it. Someone was like, ah, oh, I guess we have to hear about the coin again. And it's like, are you like more frustrated that you're talking about the coin or the people who have created the situation in which we're trying to solve the problem of the debt? And that's like, to me, it's like, how can anyone find coin talk more annoying or more grating or more like, at least some people are trying to solve the problem. But doctor, I am the trillion dollar coin. So speaking of people <laughs> not trying to solve the problem, I grabbed a few quotes of uh, American lawmakers talking about the coin. And remember, if you don't live in America, this affects you. Um, Mitt Romney has said, I don't think there's a flip of a coin, shut the fuck up, to solve a problem of significance <laughs> like this. This is our country we're talking about. To which, he, which is basically the objection is, ah, coin, that's not serious enough. That also metaphor doesn't work. It's like flip of a switch, but you flip, you do, flipping a coin doesn't do it. Flipping 50, a coin is something chance. you do, yeah. yeah oh, if, I, if I'm going to flip the coin, heads, I deposit it at the Fed, tails, minting, I put it all on black. Yeah. We're minting a titanium eight ball, and we're going to shake it, and we're going to find out whether or not we can authorize more debt. So uh, Tom Tillis uh, said, such a scheme would have, quote, implications. Uh, it's not a magic wand, and if we do it, we're probably going to regret it. Again, you're talking about a fucking accounting rule. That's it. Uh, and finally, Elizabeth Warren said, I haven't heard any plausible case for that. The debt ceiling crisis, and this is the one I think is the most interesting quote, is manufactured by the Republicans. They aren't serious about the national debt. If they were, they wouldn't have voted to increase it three times when Donald Trump was president. And that's the thing. It's true. Yes. The right in America, as well as in the UK to a lesser extent, has realized that they can hold the country and the wider global financial system hostage when there's a Democratic president. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's unfair. What it means is that the entire system of global macroeconomic management centered in Washington has become irredeemably silly. That's mm. what has happened. Yeah, I mean, like, look, oh, what? it is true. Uh, that when Republicans are in power, when they control the White House, suddenly the party stops talking about fiscal issues. Now, interestingly, it's also true they've kind of like since 2011, you know, when the Tea Party wave come in, like basically the party actually has moved on even like from fiscal issues. It's just not what it was 10 years ago. In part, like, you know, the like austerity politics is like just not in anymore. Oh, it is in the UK. <laughs> but yeah, but what Elizabeth Warren is identifying is like clearly true. Like everyone knows it's true, which is that the party, uh, you know, talks about the debt one way when the white when they control the White House another way. But like, but I don't think I don't think that absolves anything. Or like, okay, so you accuse the Republican Party of being hypocrites. Fine, great. What does that do? How does that like? If you still think there is this existential risk out there, like, you know, okay, so you called the other party hypocrites. Politics, mm. great. But like that does not absolve you. School of, one it does for the not Democrats. absolve the White House. It's like, yes, it's like, think about the logic. It's like, yes, we let, you know, we, we decided to let the country violate the Constitution. We had a debt. It caused a financial crisis. It was worse than Lehman, et cetera. But what it really showed was that the party was hypocrites. It's like, I'm sorry, like, I actually think preventing that disaster scenario should be like a higher calling than just like getting a chance to like score points about like, your you know, your well, it's, it's why I've increasingly I, I think that the actual the, the best metaphor here is for these the, these two positions is as like a, like a Laurel and Hardy, right? Like who's on first, you know, in, in order you need someone earnestly trying to figure out the names of the baseball players that are on the various um, um, base bases in order for the sketch to work. In order for the, uh, the circus clown, the circus sketch that is American politics to work, you need the, you need the straight man. And that they are in the double act together. The conceit of the sketch 
is that the debt ceiling matters and should be somehow respected, whether by raising it or whether by um, uh, cutting so you come under it. No, I think this is a really point. And people will point this out. They say like, oh, well, the Dem- the Democrats like debt ceiling politics as well, because the Republicans, we all, uh, you know, they from time to time threaten to not raise it. And the Democrats right now, especially, they look at it, it's like we just came off like a really good midterm elections. Let's why don't we let the Republicans, uh, you know, keep talking about what they want to cut and unpopular things like cutting Social Security. Like, please, like, let the Freedom Caucus have the microphone for the next six months. And I get that uh, political impulse. Then I do think that's how the Democrats see it. My perspective is like, okay, like generally, like then I just think like it should be, you know, from as coming at it from the member of the media, like, okay, if the Democrats like like the existing debt ceiling politics as it is, that's fine. I get that. But then I think the media should be uh, apply more scrutiny to the Democratic Party and not about like it's two sides playing. It's two. It's both sides playing this game because the Democrats do have options that they're choosing not to take. And if they like it for political reasons, then I don't know. That's maybe yeah, I mean, like that's why ultimately, right, by treating it seriously, they're making it real. You if you have to meet match gimmick for gimmick, man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that, like. I thought about this exactly the same way, which is like, this is purely a crisis of public perception. If Biden said tomorrow, I was like, you know what? It's fine. Like, here's what, here's a way that this could be solved. Biden could come out and say, you know what? The Republicans, they don't want to add more debt to the national debt. That's fine. That's their prerogative. Governments, including our own, have a long history of minting money as an alternative to debt financing. We could just switch to that. We have no problem. It'd be over. We wouldn't. It'd be the end of the story. We'd be done by like this afternoon. And they would just you just say it like that. And people would like it would be weird for a couple of days and then you move on. But like so it's an entirely a crisis of our own perception for like denying the existence of alternatives and ways to get out. Sounds like you need some serious journalists applying scrutiny to this. Maybe import some from the UK. <laughs> Maybe we need Peston and Koonsberg yeah. over there to really hold power to account <laughs> in the United States. You know, people with strong analytical minds. Peston. Peston would lose his shit over a trillion dollar coin. Those threads would is just be the like, coin they'd, woke." He, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I wonder has has that debate happened? Like, is is well, is is the I've spoken is the trillion- to the Treasury Secretary about the prospect of the trillion dollar coin, and she said mm. that she's not going to do it. But what choice does she have? That's, That's Peston. That's Thank you. <laughs> First, a trillion dollar coin. Next, trillion genders. Yeah. Uh, How I, big I can see the, the agenda right here. Be? Yeah. This is this, look. We need. You, <laughs> what we're saying really is, one for the British please listeners. <laughs> take some British journalists off this island and have them investigate it. You'll find out the coin's gender by the next day. I swear to God. Mm. The, the the flight of like British journalists, the the sort of philosophership that we put all of our journalists on to get them to America. That's like fucking con air. You know, they're all locked in separate compartments, and like the marshals going down the thing. Like that's Laura Koonsberg. <laughs> You know, you heard about some of the shit she did. Fucked. It's messed up. Gives me nightmares. So I, I think, assuming that no British journalists are going to, uh, unfortunately, leave this country to go and uh, try and apply their significant analytical skills to the question of the coin. Will Joe Biden nationalize sausages? Will he indeed? This goes back, I think, <laughs> right to the idea of the issue at hand, which is there's a, a sociologist who I like who wrote in the 50s uh, about nuclear deterrence uh, called C. Wright Mills. Um, and Mills had this theory, a theory I've talked about on this show before, of crackpot realism. This idea of, you know, we need more nuclear bombs to make us more safe from nuclear annihilation. The idea that we can somehow have fewer nuclear bombs is 
uh, is a fantasy, right? And ultimately, it's because there is, I think, the reason that so many people are against the A, very cool, uh, B, very simple, C, matching gimmick for gimmick idea of just minting a coin to solve the manufactured pretend problem is that they love is that there is a fetish for complexity among the Byzantine eunuchs who are in charge of actually making the decisions that affect us. And ultimately, and that they mean that what that means is if they are they are looking a simple solution, a simple legal guaranteed to work effective solution right in the face and dismissing it because it feels a bit silly because it feels a bit childish because what co- no, coins well, it, doesn't, it doesn't make them feel good about their co- job a coin's not uh, big money a coin's little money you use a coin at the convenience store you don't use a coin to fund something other than the purchase of a candy bar um and and i think ultimately like this is a tendency that comes up at the top level of american and british and european and north atlantic generally politics again and again and again and again and ultimately, it, it, I think it, it lies under the fact that these people are purely looking at a map and have no conception of the territory. It is just the performance of ritual and, the, that, and that something like the U.S. funding its existing spending obligations becomes something more like a ritual or a rite than uh, you know, an actual functional thing that needs to happen out there in the world of people and jobs and things and buildings and stuff. It sort of goes back a bit to what we were saying on last week's episode about the tendency in British politics where like periodically you'll have something come up which is like a slightly different way of doing things then you'll have a bunch of people who've done a load of research standing up and going like, well, here are all of the well-researched and statistically analysed reasons why this would be a good way forward and then someone stands up and goes, no, that's bollocks. And that's basically what's happening with the mm-hmm. coin. It's like, here is a simple solution to this stupid problem that has been created and, you know, it works. There's no reason really not to do it. And then people are just going, nice, coins, bollocks. Yeah, <laughs> coin, too small. Yeah, no, it is. Because, again, like, you know, those quotes that you read about politicians dismissing the coin, like, it's they're not compelling. You, you there's, Like, that's the, the, the beauty of the coin from a sort of, like, pedagogical or journalistic standpoint is, like, in the... Uh, the people, uh, the coin critics, of course, have this sort of like deep constitutional loathing for it. But when you actually get them to articulate what's wrong about it, they just like think they're like sputtering. They don't really have any. Well, what's wrong about it is that they don't. And they so, just don't like it, and they can't say why. They yeah, just they, don't like. It, it just seems silly. Really, no, that really is. They just yeah. don't like. It. Not I, racist, I, just don't like it. How on earth <laughs> have you been given an opportunity to avert a global financial catastrophe? And you just what? Yes. It makes you feel silly. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. Sorry uh, for listeners. Uh, Joe's not actually wearing headphones. I'm sorry, sorry to his colleagues. So, so, so the issue. Re- yeah, I'm in a room that's no, there's no. I did get out of yeah. a newsroom, so. Is this really just like a branding issue in that case? Like, do we need to like go away from the idea of the coin and in fact replace it with something like cooler? Like, for example, a gun. Um, Would that work like a a big gun? gun? (laughs) Well, look, I would say the branding question is actually pretty interesting because there are a few um, other potentially legal alternatives that aren't default and that aren't like premium bonds. Some people have talking talked about issuing consoles, which are a type of bond that just pays forever and have no face value. And the claim is that since the debt ceiling applies to the amount of face value of the thing, that that wouldn't count against it. There's another idea called high coupon bonds in which the bond would pay $200 upon maturity, but only sells for 100 So you can... That's also gimmicks. No, it is. It's A, it's definitely gimmicks. But what's interesting... <clears throat> no, this is really important. 
there are people who are like, I don't like the coin, but I like these other ideas. And I do think it's like the types who are into them are essentially the complexity appreciators. Ideologically, people who still like, like some, you know, it involves the Fed and there would still be a treasury bond, there would still be a bond auction and you'd still have Wall Street dealers. Like you would maintain all these steps. You would, you know, because it's gimmicky to just drive the coin over in an armored truck from the mint to the New York Fed or helicopter it over. But like uh, it's it's a little bit more serious. It's a little bit more like realistic to have this. uh, We're going to like create a new bond auction schedule and then we're going to involve the Wall Street banks who then have to participate in the auction and sell it to their clients. Like I think there are a lot of people for whom those options that seemingly have all these extra hoops and steps are just sort of like deeply more comfortable. They're all ignoring the fact of what this could do for American culture, because as we know, Michael Mann is in the process of riding Heat 2. And what better plot for (laughs) Heat 2 than the process of the trillion dollar coin being transported from the mint to the Fed and all of the things that could go wrong in that process? Just imagine (laughs) all of the films in the cinematic coiniverse. You know, like we could we could do every major heist movie remade for a world in which there's the coin. Your money's insured by the federal government. We're here for the federal government's money. Wait. <laughs> so and so this is and so I, I want to sort of um, move on here a little bit. Right. Which is how did we get to the point where it is legal for the Fed to uh, to for the mint to just mint a coin? And what I love is that and you sort of alluded to this a little bit earlier, Joe, it was sort of. It was not by accident in terms of Philip Deal, but its uh, legislative sponsor did it a bit by accident, right? Yeah, well, Mike Castle. Um, so it's re- there's actually, you know, what the funny thing is, like, even outside the trillion dollar coin, there's like some really interesting, like, the again, listening and talking to Deal is like how, like, a lot about how like uh, uh, DC like really works, and I think like you know the sort of like power of like a sort of mid level secretary to actually like change the world. And it's like, he was like really interested. Like he tells this story of how he saw an opportunity to sell more collectibles, collectible coins to the Japanese market specifically. (laughs) Japan, he's like, what could we do? Like sell Japanese coins. He's a collectible coin guy. And he was like, nice nice debt ceiling at the commemorative coin. Can you use this coin to pay for petrol? That's what I want to (laughs) know. No, well, so he's like a real, like sort of like entrepreneurial, like, Pro business sort of type, and like, how can the coin? How can the mint make more money? We need to expand in more markets. We need to grow the market share of the mint. How can the mint and make more like, money? Oh. Is a very funny question because it feels like it has <laughs> yeah, a <no>. simple answer. <laughs> yeah, no, and so it's like he got this thing passed, and he went. Mike Castle, I forget which committee he, you know, Mike Castle is a Republican uh, from Delaware, and Philip Deal like worked him. He like became, uh, you know, he like he like. Worked both sides of the hill. Like, again, Deal is not like some radical. He like worked with Republicans, worked with some Democrats, et cetera. And he like, you know, like said, look, look, we, if we if you gave us more flexibility on platinum coinage, the mint could sell more coins, have more revenue and then lower the national debt because the mint would re- remit its profit to the Treasury at the end of every year. And so, like, you know, Mike Castle, a Republican from Delaware, went along with it. And again, you know, like, look. The original motive deal will say the original like goal is like because he was talking to um, Japanese collectors like where can the mint expand market share, but the impulse was fiscal. The impulse was how can the mint remit more money, seniorage revenue, 
the gap between the face value of the coin versus this sort of metallic content? How can it remit more monetary value back to the treasury so the treasury takes on less debt? And he's like, this is a way to do it. Give us more power over platinum coinage. And uh, he got it done. You know what the other thing? Deal is an amazing American character because like he was like, in addition to this, like he was like talking in the mid 90s about digital currency and like the need potentially for like thinking about what is the mint's role going to be in a world of digital money, et cetera. So like just a true, like a great, a, a truly great American character who happened to also be a vig- visionary. And that's the art of the deal. I mean, I mean, just, just to think about, just <laughs> to think about like Mike Castle basically being the Trojan horse, like letting the Trojan horse of this commemorative coin legislation through that accidentally <laughs> creates the ability of the mint to make a commemorative coin that does an end run around the Republicans' procedural trick to hold Democratic presidents to it. So, like, uh, ransom is hilarious. Except that all, all of the Democrats are getting out of the Trojan horse going like, well, it would be unfair to kill the Trojans while they're asleep. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're in the horse. We're in here just so that you know, uh, so I actually have a, an article from the Washington Post from 2013. Um, <laughs> Agamemnon being like, no, using a horse to get in there would be silly. Come on, we've been fighting a proper war here for 10 whole years, and we're not going to solve it with a stupid fucking hollow horse, okay? So we're just going to drop the that. horse yeah. gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, actually, um, I think uh, uh, Menelaus uh, said uh, he's not opposed uh, to the horse, the horse wouldn't be illegal. He said, according <laughs> to the according to the laws of the Danans. Yeah. Uh, so, um, well, so we have that Mike Castle in 1995 uh, says his biggest accomplishment uh, was the creation of the 50 state quarter quarter program. Again, after they mint the coin, his second biggest accomplishment will have been the 50 state quarter program, which also is a Philip Deal uh, creation. Like that was that was Deal's vision because again, he's like, how can we get more revenue? And that was a massive, massive revenue success because you had all these collectors who wanted to collect all 50 and they sort of rolled it out in a smart way. So like Deal, like again, like just like this like visionary at every turn, like that was his brain. So he says, uh, but he also drafted a bill, the Commemorative Coin Authorization and Reform Act of 1995 that included the following provision with the following wording. Notwithstanding any other provision of law, the Secretary of the Treasury may mint and issue platinum coins in such quantity and such variety as the Secretary determines to be appropriate. Now, the logic, Castle told the reporter at the time, was, as you say, to enable the Treasury to put out different collectible platinum coins. That doesn't matter. It's drawn too broadly. It goes up to anything. You could do a $100 trillion coin if you wanted. Quote, the investment community wanted flexibility to make fractional coins. People couldn't afford the... And again, thinking that we're talking in terms of billions and trillions now, the next number I'm going to say should be very funny. People couldn't afford the initial $600 investment, so they wanted the flexibility (laughs) to put in smaller coinage so that people could then collect them. My, My half a cent platinum coin, you know? Mm. Yeah, that's it was intended for that. And now it is just turned into like basically America's more Gigantic or less gigantic half a cent coin. Last hope. <laughs> with Trump's face on it, yeah. But like but but again, and this is a point that Rohan makes, which is true. So people say like, look, clearly this was just about like coins for coin collectors. Mm. But the point was to remit to make more profits for the mint and remit it to the treasury. And so by seeing from one angle, the goal was not to do the platinum coin op, uh, operation as the mm. end run, but seen from another angle, if the goal is how can we use the mint as a way to lessen the treasury's debt mm. burden, then it's precisely 
the goal of what the of the. I mean, mm-hmm. so and that I'm a g- coin head. Oh, we're oh, we are very much all finally. We're coin, you know pill- what? We're coin pilled. We are. I am finally into a mm. coin. It's I'm just currency this one. maxing. I love mm-hmm. the coin. I just like thinking about like thinking about what the coin would commemorate. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I personally, I'm, I'm going back to the idea. I think the best idea is January it, 6th coin. It should no, January 8th. Come on. Ja- January 6th coin, but it's the Ben Garrison cartoon with like yeah. the guy tearing open the, yes, the yes, dome of they the should capital. let Ben Garrison do the coin. It's too good. I, no, I, I love the idea of the commemorative coin commemorating the inauguration of America, a saved and reunited country at the head of its third great century. Uh, commemorate the minting of the coin. The moment where it all turned around. <laughs> An engraving of... The, uh, this is the first design I like. On one side is a is a, uh, a photo of uh-huh. Philip Deal. And on the other side is a miniature version of the coin itself. <laughs> that's engraved because that it goes is the, all the, the way down. The coin. I, I, I like it on high value treasury bills, which they sort of largely stopped using uh, in, in the 30s. They put... Um, uh, some really obscure shit. Salmon P. Chase, the first Treasury Secretary, is on a, a few of these. So I think you this need man to was reach called Salmon. Salmon, Salmon P. Chase. Uh, you need to okay. reach back into history and go to like. I think it's time. I think it's time that Millard Fillmore was on a coin. I think it's time that that William McKinley was on a coin. I think it's time James Garfield was on a coin. Rutherford Hayes. Sorry, I can't. You know? I can't deal with the name Millard Fillmore. Millard coming Fillmore. so hot on the heels of Salmon P. Chase. <laughs> these, are, these are all made up. What does the P stand for in Salmon P. Chase? Salmon Portland mm. Chase. Yeah. Uh, mm. uh, and, and so, like, I think that like, Salmon Pacific Chase. Look, I think the, this is also one of the um, one of the things I think it's worth sort of winding down on, right? Which is, uh, I think that this is. Some people say, you know, that oh, that that there's a criticism to the coin, which is that it's basically MMT. And that if you're a, a, a yeah, left winger, it, it is fine, sure, whatever. Do you do you want to do incrementalism and have a United States that sort of functions in the world economy or not? You know what I was going to say is that I think the important thing to remember is that the minting the coin isn't about trying to solve a problem in the real economy that isn't generated by accounting rules. You know, it, you mentioned MMT, and I'll just say, like, it is certainly true that the coin has. Um, many adherents among the MMT community, but there's nothing inherently MMT about it. All I would say is people who sort of like are into MMT intuitively get right away why it's not problematic. And so I think that's mainly the thing, but it's like, you know, it's not about a change in economic policy. It's not about, oh, we're going to spend more money to fix this. It's not about, it doesn't even, you know, people talk about one of the bizarre things like, oh, this is going to jeopardize Fed independence, but the Fed can still raise rates if it wants. Nothing about the coin prevents the Fed from like, Raising rates. In fact, if for some reason, you know, so the Fed would then have a this coin worth one trillion dollars on its balance sheet, it wouldn't affect the real economy. If for some reason the Fed was still uncomfortable with that, it could sell a trillion dollars worth of its bond holdings into the market. Nothing about the act of minting and depositing the coin is an imposition on Fed policy in the slightest. Any policy flexibility that the Fed has today, the Fed would still have with a billion with a trillion dollar coin in one of its vaults. So like it does. So while it is true that like many of the MMT people like, yeah, of course, the coin makes sense. That's a good solution. That's silly. silly. It is not really a fundamental change in the nature of American macro management. Mostly I just want to think about the security of, you know, transporting it. I want to see that convoy. I want to see that motorcade. I want to see them put it in the back of like a Bradley or something. Yeah, they should do it. Yeah. 
you know, and they should make it big. Like that's the one reason why it should be big is, you know, like Rowan has said, is like after the trillion dollars of the spending power has been exhausted, put it in a museum or something. And I'm not even that worried about the theft because, like, you can't spend it. No. Right? Like, you can't spend it anymore. Running oh, into Target. Like, like, oh, what can I get? <laughs> can anyone <laughs> break but, a trillion? But, but on the other hand, like, imagine being the person who stole the trillion dollar coin. Like, that lives with you forever. I think what you need to do, what you need to do is you need to mint, uh, well, you need to tell people you're going to mint it at, like, it's sort of a 20 foot diameter, right? And then you put that on the back of the truck with, like, a battalion of Marines or whatever. And you drive this sort of like base metal twenty foot coin under a sheet around, uh, and then you just have Joe Biden walk into the Fed with like the you know dime sized trillion dollar coin that you pocket. actually made, just in his uh, pocket, and be like, you know, uh, get yourself something nice. It? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but oh, don't spend it all in one place. What, Joe yeah. Biden losing the, the one trillion dollar <laughs> coin is the funniest possible outcome. <laughs> oh, that's so. <laughs> it's got to be around here somewhere. Uh. So, look, what will the coin not do? The coin won't reduce America's creditworthiness. The coin won't um, cause a global economic catastrophe. It won't add more spending, so it won't be like inflationary. But what the coin will do uh, is the coin will heal America. Uh, The coin will be awesome. Give Donald Trump his like perfect make-a-wish lifetime moment. Exactly. It will heal America from top to bottom. Uh, and you know it's it will resu- it will be a fun gimmick, and you know what? We'll all get to see the coin. We'll get to think more about the coin. We'll probably do another episode about the coin would, if they make you it. You know, it'd be really funny. It would be funny if they didn't show it to us, wouldn't it? It's like trust us. We deposited this coin, and well, the they, Fed is like, oh, yeah, they did. Like imagine, imagine the conspiracy coin. theories. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine the conspiracy theories that they never actually showed anyone the coin. That would be. I, so you're I you're saying of, it's kind great. of like. It's a coin that doesn't have to exist, and not like a kind of like a Wittgenstein coin. Like none of us yeah, know yeah, it exists. Yeah. Like you, yeah, yeah. We can't see it. We all have yeah, our own understanding of the coin. And then Ken Clippenstein and Beth Borden ruin it for us by like foyering the design of the coin, and we end up seeing like a sort of two D drawing of it, and it's like boring. Mm. Yeah, and I've been curious about whether the the any current designs that may have been made in 2011 or 2013, but as far as I know, none have been. Yeah, you know, the, you know the coin. Actually, they never really made that. They, the footage of them making the coin, they <laughs> faked that on the moon. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I think that's about all the time we've got left uh, for today. But uh, Joe, what a delight uh, to talk to you again. Thank and you. Uh, if you are out there and enjoy the financy chat on this show, you will probably like Odd Lots. So do check that out. And also we, the Joe Rogan experience jo- has a lot sure. of great coin stuff who, on there. Who and they should put on the coin. It, that's exactly it. With him doing the big oh, like... What about a chimp? Yeah, yeah a chimp <laughs> ripping someone's face off. Yeah. No, so we have a live show in Berlin on March 11th. Tickets are now available. They are. Come to that. It's going to be Seems great. They're still that. available at the time that you hear this because they are we flying off the We have to run the bar the ourselves. What? Which is what? both a great money-making opportunity, but also a, a logistical problem. Can we get... We should talk about how we're going to do that. The Cornish Spady guys are going to help. I, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to buy those sort of arm garters that Old West bartenders wear, and I'm going to source it myself. Hey, it's you know fine. what? Come buy a drink with the coin. We probably can't give you change, but... Yeah, you come know. have a sarsaparilla with Alice. Yeah. Um, mm. Also, uh, if you are in London, England, on February 20th, 
keep your calendar free that night. Mm. There may Save be doings a transpiring. Say there might be a live show of a certain podcast. Say there might be a certain live show. Of a might be podcast. about a book about Liz Truss. Oh, we, well, it, who would we possibly? It might involve a famous British comedian known who? for his reading of MPs' books. <laughs> who would we possibly subject the Liz Truss book? To? I can't think of any. Oh, problem James Acaster, obviously. Yeah, exactly. That's right. I'm gonna be there. <laughs> Come uh, on down. James, a- James Acaster is legally I'm not going to be there. I'm running the bar. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> James Acaster wearing the arm Two gun gun tonics, too easy, mate. No worries. <laughs> T- time to time to let Joe get back to his day and for us to get back to our evening. All Joe, right. thanks a lot again. Thank you. And uh, bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. bye. bye.